Welcome to Conversation with Lamp. I'm James Lampkin, and I got my buddy Darius Williams with me. Big ho! What's good, brother? Man. My man. Before I say anything, man, first yes, let me congratulate you on the path you on because we know you got off to a rocky start, but look here, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a good citizen now. You're doing what the law tell you to do. So hey, I okay, you, <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> so let, we're going okay. to start with that. Like, how did you motivate yourself to, because we all know how it go. They always tell you, you know, when you, when you get in prison, they tell mm-hmm. you, oh, you'll be back. You'll yeah. be back. Yeah, they say that to me. What, what what motivated you to say, nah, I'm not coming back? Okay, well, first and foremost, man, that's a good question, big, big homie. Um, I'm honored and thankful, man, that you thought enough of me to have this interview tonight. Um, basically, for me, man, I was blessed to be around brothers that had things on their mind. In prison, it's easy to get caught up with the negative because it's what everybody do. So if you with what everybody do, you feel like I'm a part of something. You know what I'm saying? So brother was telling me, like, get a job, you know, get a house, get a family, you know, be a man. Where before it was get that money, get them rides, get that gear. See how the conversation was different? So that was kind of what motivated me, and I was always protected with brothers that, you know, every morning they had something on their mind. And I would just sit and listen, take it in, and then, you know, move on my way forward from what they was telling me. So when you was in, you did a lot of reading? <sighs> Good question, big fella. I'm half and half. Okay. I'm like the lemonade. <laughs> yeah, I'm that because it was like, I was dirty D. I did my gambling, I did my drinking, my smoking, but I did my reading, I did my listening, and I did my building. So it was like, I'm kind of like an equal balance. It was like, I was a street dude trying to be clean, but trying to be clean is a sacrifice. (laughs) So it's like, if you ain't ready for it, man, you gonna go through withdrawal. You know, a street dude, nigga telling you how you can't cuss, brother. You can't drink, brother. You can't smoke, brother. You can't gamble, brother. I'm like, man, you killing me, brother. But he like, you making yourself better. So yeah. it was like, that was kind of how I, I got you. In it. Yes, sir. What was some of the books you read? I'm going to tell you, big fella, the first book a brother gave me was, it was called Stolen Legacy. Okay. And it was basically about the history of blacks in America before America. And I feel like today, one of the biggest problems is that the youth don't understand how important their history is. Even if you go biblical, you know, when you look at the story of Esau in Genesis, where he sold his birthright, he didn't realize how important that was. It was like, man, you inherited all this, (laughs) but you took a horse and a few grains and corn and gave away all your birthright. Yeah. Where the person who took it knew, like, oh, I, I take that. <laughs> and that's kind of really how I feel like, as far as with black males more than anything, they need to understand the importance of their heritage and their history. And right now, they kind of lacking that. Well, I think they're trying to make more changes. Like, 
if you look at right now, there's more documentaries out about um, the prison system. Mm -hmm. You think if you had seen some of those earlier, maybe it could have steered you? Well, you know, I came up in the 80s with the cracker. And it's like when you stand by your buddy and he can make $300 between you sneezing twice, it makes you think a little bit. You sneeze twice. Yeah. Hachoo, hachoo, and he got $300. Yeah. So you like, man, should I go to work or should I do this? And it was easier to do the latter, which was the easy money. And in the black community, we kind of get caught up with that. And I feel like as fathers, that's where our market set, where we teach our kids that it's more so a grind and, you know, take your time and pretty much put your thoughts into everything you do more so than just doing it, which is what the youth today do. But you had, you, correct me if I'm wrong, you had Ed Jones. Yes, sir. So, and Sister Beatrice Williams. So, like, how did that, like, how do you feel like you went wrong? Because a lot of times, uh, the guys that I know, that I've seen fall victim to, like, the drug game, unfortunately, they didn't have a, a strong male leadership. They may, they may have had a mother. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not downgrading a strong woman present. We can't man. judge our parents, big fella. True. We can't do that. And I'm not. I'm not. It's just you had a good, strong male yes, figure, so... I'm a little surprised that it went left. How you? How did it go left? I mean, did you sneak? Like, you yeah. know, how did? Because <laughs> yes, I did. You yes, know I the did. stories, and, and you told me my Ed Jones was on your ass. Hey. So, hey, good point, big fella. Um, for me, it was kind of like I came up with two good parents, but my parents didn't believe in overspending, so designing things, stuff expensive. Ed Jones was like, for $50, I can get you two pair of shoes <laughs> instead of them shoes you want over there. So I kind of grew up under that mentality, but as you get older, see, that's the difference between a young man and a man. A man know how, what he need right. instead of what he want. When you're a boy, it's all about what you want. So you'll get what you want, even though it ain't what you need. Gotcha. So that's what I fell under, big fella. Okay. It's what I wanted. I wanted respect on the street and money in my pocket. I got all of that, but at the same time, that wasn't how I was raised. So basically, it was like, it was like I kind of was disrespecting the principles that I was brought up on, but I just fell victim to my environment, and I. I tell my mom and my dad all the time, y'all raised me good. I just became a victim of my environment. And that's why I feel like parents on a daily basis need to stay on their kids, talk to them, see what they like, know what they don't like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because they sitting watching a movie, hey, what you like about that movie? Right. Okay, oh, what you don't like about that movie? Because it's like kids, it's like these generations now, they feel like, Oh, my mom and dad don't understand me. And I, I feel like that's the complete opposite for me. Well, you know, when you, when you met, it's funny you mentioned environment. Like, I think about how I grew up sometimes. And 
you say victim of your environment, but you're talking more about drugs. Yes. Now, it's weird, it's funny, because I feel like when I grew up, because of the drugs and, and, and bad... You was an 80s around, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of, the, one of the issues about your environment, you don't, like... When you so when you so focused on trying to stay out of trouble, stay on the right path, it doesn't even allow you to think like oh, envision. Yes. Like oh when you just see when you just see drugs and things like that. Like for me, my parents always told me, Don't get in trouble. You know. The big thing was don't get in trouble. And it's like, <laughs> okay, that's good, but what else? Like, you know, I'm not bragging, but when I was in first grade, they put me in the ties and a gifted program. But unfortunately, I didn't have anybody to nurture me. And I'm not talking bad about my mom because I love my mother and my father too. But that's just not how hey, it worked. My father yeah. wasn't my father wasn't an educated man. Hey. My mother Black man stuff. Right. And my mother my mother, you know, she just She had to get it woman. done. Right. She was just a working woman. She, she couldn't she, lean on nobody. Yeah, so she didn't see she didn't really see my talents. She just saw me not getting in trouble and that was good for her but you know sometimes not sometimes all the time if you're not maximizing your potential mm -hmm. then it's bad and unfortunately i'm still playing catch up so um to touch on as far as the mother and father side of what you were saying um a lot of it basically is remember your parents are going to teach you what they was taught. True. We're the same way with our kids. Yeah. I tell my son and both my daughters, oh, nah, you don't get no passes. Because Darius ain't getting no passes. <laughs> so that's all I know. But I'm a little easier with the rod than my parents were. <laughs> See, the biblical verse say, spoil the child. If you don't send the rod, you spoil the child. True. So... My parents believed that. I still believe it. I'm like, ah, I can pull back a little bit. <laughs> just, just a little bit. So I feel like today, like as a parent, I like to talk more to my kids. Like when they do things I feel like they shouldn't do. Where when we came up, we was punished. Yeah. It was like, man, you knew, man, if I go tell them this, I'm punished for a week. I can't go to James' birthday party. Right. I, I, I can't go to the... The, the family that I, so you didn't feel comfortable coming and I'm like, I messed up. But that was how they was raised. When they messed up, it was punishment. It was, it was consequences. That's why I feel like today with the education that we have, yeah. that's why I feel like we're better equipped. Not to say that we're better parents than our parents or grandparents, but we better equipped because remember, they wasn't allowed to read. School for them was only 12th grade. Yeah. Man, we got, what, BAs, yeah. bachelors. Yeah. You are Mr. Lampkin, PhD. <laughs> Nigga, my grandfather never could take that title. Yeah. They didn't even call him Mr. George Wham Jr. They just called him a nigga, color, or whatever they felt like spitting out their mouth. Yeah. So I feel like that's the one part that we have the advantage today that I feel like we're not taking advantage of as a whole. Right. Some of us are, but like I tell people, when they do census report, they do that as a whole. 
if eight out of ten of y'all bullshitting, all y'all bullshitting. It ain't no fuck them two. They ain't thinking about them two. They like eight out of ten of y'all bullshitting. All y'all bullshitting. So you got you have you mentioned your son. Your son yes. is what? Seventeen. Seventeen. Tislam Jaquin Muhammad. He get Shout out to Flowers High School. Yes, he get the senior. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you ready for that? Yeah, man. You know, you got a lot of college recruits, uh, college visits. You know, you're a good student. I think the thing I'm most proud of my son is I try to equip him with my weaknesses. Like, I played football, basketball, and baseball for my first two years in high school. Baseball, I didn't play no more because we had enough players for a team. But I was a horrible teammate, big homie. It was all about me. When it came to football, nigga, I got to get my tackles. I'm not listening to the coverage. When it came to basketball, oh, nigga, I'm getting my points. I ain't thinking about the passing. When it came to baseball, oh, nah, he want to do hit and run. Nah, I ain't like that pit. That's why I didn't swing. So it was like... I kind of was on my own agenda. So I would tell my son to be the best teammate. Okay. I, every game when we hang up, I say, man, be the best teammate. Make that block. Make that tackle. Make that play. Be, don't make it about you. Make it about the team. And that's, I feel like, that's what I'm most proud of him that he took that gem out of everything I told him. When I talk to coaches, oh, I love coaching your son. When I talk to the, when I come look for him, everybody telling me where he at. So when you, when you were playing sports, was your dad there? Yes, he was. Okay. Yes, he was. He was in the stand. My mom was in the stand. My little brother, shout out, T.A. Williams. Donnie, that's my heart. He was at every game. But I was selfish because everybody told me I was good. And, man, when you 14, 15, man, it's hard to process Wait, you not good at You like the fact that somebody said you good. Yeah. And, man, when I say I went from, I went 73 eights. Man, I probably wasn't nine. <laughs> it was like, man, you couldn't tell me nothing. And it was like, I didn't want my son to make that same mistake. It was like I was a horrible teammate. Horrible. I was coachable, but if it came to me and you, Man, I could have threw a bounce pass. You had a layup. Nah, nigga, I'm shooting this three. I got, I got to get mine. I guess, I guess because um, you know, we played a little sports together. Yes, sir. I can't imagine you being the selfish team. Right? But again, big fella, you remember I always told you, man, big homie. I'm glad you didn't know me when I was 25, cause you wouldn't have liked me. Yeah. I was an ass. I was immature, and I was selfish. It's like now. You know, when you get mature, you understand, like, man, it ain't all about you. You know, respect the next man feeling. Respect the next man thought. It was all about what I thought, what I wanted, what I wanted to do. So it was like, that's kind of why me and you from the start was, we was good. Like, do you, you think that, do you think it was a time in prison that, like, really sat, like, really big fellas, calmed you down? Know? Let me say this on the camera. That was the most life-changing thing in my life. I feel like had I not maybe went to prison, I might be dead, but not at the hands of something I would have done. Because in that game you win, it ain't no rules, big homie. Yeah. 
A dude you never thought didn't like you, if it meant him taking you out to get your spot, what you think he gonna do? He gonna take your ass out. So that made me realize, eh, I got some money in that, but I ain't about that. And that's why I tell my son all the time, like, hey, you don't gotta always prove your manhood to the next man. Yeah. I always tell him I wish I never had a criminal record. Yeah. It's nothing to stop me now if I didn't have a criminal record. Nothing. And you know, it's, it's when you boy, you bring up criminal record. So I'm at work, and um, I ran into a guy. He drive trucks. Okay. Make a. He got a record though. He, he got a. He <laughs> when you drive a truck, I did that. Remember, I came got, from that when I met you. So when we was talking about salaries, right? <clears throat> And I know you. I know we not rich, but we make a decent living. Yes, we do. So when he nailed his salary, I'm like, man, he probably like, made about twelve dollars. Yeah, yeah. He get paid by the job. I understand. Man, his story stressed me out. Hey, I'm like, shit. But you know what? He got a good story. Yeah. Because you know, it's a statistic that within three years, they say that. 60% of the black men that get out of prison within one to three years return to prison. And I say, you know why? Because they lack patience. See, when somebody tell you, man, I give you $12, you know that job really is 25 Yeah. But do you got the patience to say, you know what? Man, I'm going to take that because I don't want to be there with them. Right. But most niggas be like, nah, fuck that. I can get it another way. But where they end up, big fella, back with them. Yeah. So how did you transition? Man, I was so, actually, let me correct that. And that's a great question, big fella. And I tell that story to a lot of people I talk to. I say that I was at Greensville Correctional Center in Jerry, Virginia. Shout out to Greensville Correctional Maximum Security. And my counselor called me in the office one day. He said, man... You got 20 months left. He's like, you eligible for work release. I said, man, don't nobody make work release from this motherfucker. He was like, man, do you want me to put your name in or not? He was like, man, you might have a shot. I said, man, okay, go ahead. Three weeks later, he called me in the office say, hey, Durs, you made it. And these are the places that you can go to. So, you know, they had Rappahannock. They had Royal, which is uh, Oak Hill, okay. where a lot of the basketball players go. Then they had loud, because I'm in the state of Virginia prison, so everything was near Maryland, but in Virginia. Alexander Fairfax ain't had that. I said, okay, give me the loud job. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So when I got there, you know, you got 30 days to get a job. They don't help you. They just say, hey, here go this book, these people hiring. Oh, they don't help you? Nah. Here go this book, these people hiring. <laughs> See you later. Like, what, 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 jail ain't no hotel. Well, I know that, but damn. They give you the book. Here they go. These people have it. So you got to call, sell yourself, da, 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 set up your interview. So I got a job at a concrete plant. $10 an hour. Pay my fine. So I was used to paying fines, paying bills, getting up every day. So to this day, I feel like me accepting that challenge of him putting me in for work relief, I feel like that changed my life. Because I was caught up in the, man, fuck it. 
my my record gonna always be why I can't get nothing. Yeah. You know that nigga pity story. Yeah. And um, I'm living proof, big fella. I did ten years in that jump, fellas. So don't tell me you can't get a job because of your record. I don't want to hear that shit. Tell that to that nigga on the corner with that cup wanting 15, 20 cents or whatever you got, brother. Right. I'm, I, it's, it's just fascinating because, like, we talk about it. Like, I remember All the, the stories. Yes. And you'll be like, you my <laughs> man, so you know. Like, and you used to laugh, but you say I ain't laughing at you. And I be like, nah, big fella, it's good that you get humor in that because that's what I should have looked at it like. Like, man, I don't want to do that, but. Yeah, because you, now you drink bottled water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm bougie now. I'm bougie. I'm sorry, fellas. I don't drink Martin water. I don't eat white bread. So, and I don't eat watermelon. It was it, it was it was funny because I would come by your office. You got the paper out. <laughs> and you like, I'm like, oh, this ain't the conference. Yeah. Like, no
How you doing, brother? Yeah. So I learned them rules early because a couple of ice showed me that the brother would have just said, oh, man, I, I can't do that. I got to go back to my cell. He wouldn't have died. Yeah. But the fact that he said, I ain't a motherfucking cell house worker, you see how it escalated. That Joe turned from cold to Fahrenheit. Just like that. And that's why I tell people, like, a lot of people out here are spoiled. They think that somebody owns something and don't nobody owe you nothing. So that's why when niggas come with excuses, nigga, you been out here 10 years, you ain't working, you ain't doing shit. Nigga, I was in 10 years. If you ain't got no record, there's no white man in the United States of America. Now, I said that because... The United States of America is a republic and not a country. So as I say, the United States of America is nothing to stop anyone, especially a black man, if you don't have no criminal record. It's nothing to stop you. Yeah. you talk, I'm not going to lie, man. We, it's we, nothing, big guy. I'm like, man. I like, we were man, you used to like, sit at oh. breakfast and lunch and... That's why I said, you're a friend. It's like, we used to talk about anything. And I used to tell you, like, man, they was calling me OG when I was getting out. I was 32. I ain't dirty, man, OG. Like, man, I ain't done nothing yet. Yeah. 32 OG? Nah, when you say OG, that's like you done. Yeah. When, I, when you call me OG, man, I'm 60-something. At 30-something, nah, I'm still a soldier. I'm still in the struggle with you. So we can transition to family. So yes, sir. You got you got girls. You got you got uh, girls too. Yes. You guys, you talked about your son, but you yes. got two daughters. How old are your daughters? I got two biological daughters. Uh, Zoe Williams, she nine, mm -hmm. and Zana Madison Gardner Williams, she's five. And I have two daughters through marriage and. Kayla McDonald, who's 18, okay. and Kalicia McDonald, who's 13. So with girls, yeah, it's different because I don't understand what they go through. It's, <laughs> they might wake up arguing. I'm like, why? Like, we just got up, so it's, it's, it's a transition. But, it, you know, you know, I got a daughter. So the biggest thing for us as fathers is just being there, just showing the example yes. of what a man, because... Yes. We look around and we can see, unfortunately, that it's not a a good, it's not a lot of good examples. I can't say a lot, but I think it's too many bad examples of men. Like, we've seen too many women who didn't have a good male figure, a good father figure. So we're starting to see the effects of that. And one of the things that we work on, like myself, you, yes. is just being more affectionate with our daughters. That's something I struggle with. Like, I'm going to be honest, bro. I think, I, I, I really think, I'm always going to say I know God wanted me to have it. Well, of course, because I have a daughter God wanted me to. But I had always had a problem with affection, like, because I didn't grow up with affection. So it was, it was kind of hard for me to do. And I think if I had a son, I, I would have been a good father, but, like, I don't know if I could, like, I probably would have been a little too hard. Like, it's funny, right, because we sitting, 
So me and my wife, <laughs> we sitting there. I don't get to tell the story much, but we sitting there. We in the um, we in the doctor's office. So we look at the sonogram. So uh, the doc, I say, so so what we have, doc? He say, uh, it's a girl. And in my mind, I said, shit. I said, you sure, doc? <laughs> he touched something on the screen. Right? He called me that double check. He, he touched on the screen and he like, yeah, it's a girl. So I'm like, all right, well, all right. So I get over that and he like, and it's it's weird because my daughter like she's she she really needs affection. Like she she's a beautiful girl. She just wants yes. she just wants affection from all oh, dad. But we can touch on that. It's it's something that they need, and I and we have to be that first example because yes. if we mess it up, he just said the key, big fella. First of all, that is what you just spoke on, big fella. Is one of the most important, but also one of the most detrimental factors in the black community. When you say a, a father and being affectionate. It's like with a son, I always told my son, my one job to you is to teach you accountability. To show that as a man, that's how you always going to be judged. My daughters, I teach them by how I walk. You should judge a man by how I walk. You, don't, you see how I am with your mother. Right. You see how I am in my everyday life. You see how I am with you. Them hug, I hug my girls all the time. I always tell them they beautiful and they smart because I always let them know if you take care of you, can't no man take advantage of you because you already know how to take care of you. So affection for male and female. Young daughters need to hear from their dads that they're beautiful, they're smart, that give them that drive, that energy to want to do better. Young black males need to hear it as well because, again, over time, their fathers didn't never send them affection, so they didn't know how to transition it to you. I tell my son all the time, I love you. I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm here if you need to talk. I didn't have that same relationship with my dad, but I'm not going to judge him for that. Right. Because he was raised different. My dad played sports, but he had to drop out of school in eighth grade because he had to help the family make money. Yeah. That was just a condition that black people, colored, African-American, whatever you want to call them, that's what they had to endure in the 50s, the 60s, the early 70s. Yeah. So their mentality is different. You ask my Uncle George about a white man, he 93, man, you better get your tissue because <laughs> it ain't going to be a good story. <laughs> But if you as a black man today that's 50 about a white man, he got a totally different story. So you have to understand and respect the errors in which we grew up. Yeah, because my father, we had had a good relationship. Um, But he wasn't the the I love you type. But, you know, he he handled it. But he didn't get it. Yeah, he, oh, God. He didn't get it. So he didn't know how to give it to you. Yeah, I had to learn. Yeah, we got to teach him that. It's like we the pioneers. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a shift going on because yes. we learning how to do yes, things we that are. our fathers didn't do. So they wasn't allowed to do. 
You're right, yeah. 12 Years a Slave. This is like my favorite part of the movie. You remember when they was on the train and the dude was reading and he said, man, don't let them know you can read. He was like, ah, I'm from up northern east. They used to niggas that know how to read out here. He said, man, don't let them know you know how to read. And you see how they used them once they knew that he knew how to read. See, I didn't, I didn't see the movie. I paid attention to that because he told him, he said, oh, you know how to read? He said, man, don't let them know you know how to read. Because they're going to use you against us. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he know how to read. Man, tell them this. They don't know no better. But coming from you, they feel like you telling them it's the right way to do it. Oh, okay. But okay. the same nigga that told him, don't tell them you know how to read, he got killed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm it's kidding. always little parts in Jones that that's what I catch. I'm like, that was the difference maker of the movie. Because the way the whole way he became a slave was because he thought that white people would accept him because he was educated. At the end of the day, you were still a nigga. Yeah. And that's what they saw. They can make money off you. So they sent you away. Uh, but your brother was telling you, man, don't let them know you can read. Oh, man. But because he was a slave, you ain't think he knew nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, man. When it comes to, to the slave movie. I mean, it, 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 but it's, it's in our world today, big homie. It is, but man. It's like the OGs get, like, I mentored 15 to 17 year old. And it's like, I'm really not far removed from how they think. Yeah. Even though I'm 46, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19, man, I thought the way they did. Yeah. Man, I need this bread. I need this fast money. Man, fuck that. That's how I thought, but I wasn't raised like that. So when you're not raised like that and you try to live other than how you raised, it's hard. Yeah. But when you raised where your parents ain't give a shit, you ain't never had nothing, you don't know nothing, you'll die for that. Yeah. Because that's the only thing you ever really been able to connect with. Okay. Yeah. And that's why I be telling them, like I told a brother one time, I said, Man, you ever been followed home? He was like, nah. I said, man, the police ain't never followed you home. He was like, nah. I said, damn, niggas ain't never robbed you at gunpoint by y'all. He said, nah. I said, well, you ain't the man. <laughs> All of that shit happened to me. <laughs> and it didn't happen till I was making money. Yeah. When I was just selling 50s and 20s, niggas ain't paying attention to me. Nigga, when I was selling weight on coal, oh, that's that nigga face? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't Darius no more. Oh, that's that nigga face. My, my whole identity changed, so now I gotta change. I ain't no what part say. I ain't no killer, but don't push me. So that's what you made me. Luckily, cause I know Sister B would have never forgave me for taking another mother's child's life. That I didn't never do that. It didn't come to that. It almost happened to me. Because you know, big fella, I was paralyzed for nine months. Yeah. Shot with four bullets. Right. So it's like my mother would have never forgave me doing that 
than somebody else's child. So that's why I never did that. That's tough, man. I, I don't, man, look, I don't see how brothers do it. I can do it. <laughs> I love freedom. It, it, but you know what, big homie? It ain't you can't do it. Blessed and thankful for you, you never was in that position and you never chose to think like that. I, I was raised in a two-parent home. Yeah. Ed Jones, Beatrice Williams, man, they raised me good. But when I saw my homie can make $300 and I sneezed twice... Yeah. Two sneezes is two seconds. <laughs> and and we partying and buying shit. I'm like, man, I want that. So and that's how they draw us into that. Just the allure, the whole The allure, big fella. Man. The allure. But the Lord say, what good is it to have the money in this world but lose your soul? Yeah. And when my mother used to come see me on them visits, she always was like, you my son. I know you're going to do better. But I was still face. So as face, I wasn't a real son. You talking about when she saw you in prison? Yes, because as face, I got a reputation I got to live. Yeah. Nigga, I was making money. Nigga, don't fuck with me. Leave me alone. <laughs> that was face. But Darius was like, man, what was I doing? Man, I should have went to college for basketball and finish. I got a shot at the NBA. That was Darius. Yeah. But Darius was dead. Face took over. But my mother always seen past Face, and I feel like that helped me deal with it. Because she always like, I know you're going to make me proud one day. Look at me now. Yeah. You definitely got, she definitely got a lot yeah. to be proud of. She tell me all the time. And we talked about family, um, I know you went through a divorce before. Yes, sir. How, how, how did mm. that affect you? Uh, a lot of it affected me because I think I kind of really didn't sit down and process the situation like I should have. And I probably did a lot of things that in normal circumstances I probably wouldn't have done. But, you know, when you get older and over time, you mature, you can see through like, okay, I did that before, I'm not going to do that again. And that's why I say with my wife now, that's where she really showed me like to, man, fight for something you love, fight for something you want. Like, don't just let it go like it's no big deal. Yeah. Because when you sell drugs, you know, I was used to, Man, I come in throwing thousand dollars in your face. Man, leave me alone for a couple of days. Right. And that's how I got back. But man, when you going to work, you working eight hours, you getting paid, and they don't look at it like that, big guy. <laughs> they they don't. It's like, man, you gotta wait two more weeks before I had something where before it was, man, here, man, leave me alone. Yeah. It definitely matters. It's it's a total different. And you remember I told you. It's easy to be a good parent when you got money because you can pay people to do shit you don't want to do. Well, Puff Daddy ain't a good parent. I don't feel Jay-Z a good parent. Okay, wait. I don't okay. feel Beyonce a good parent. See, I feel like they can pay somebody that while they doing their career, whatever they need to do, somebody else can hold the slack till they come fill in. 
where every day, nine to five, man, you don't get that pass. Man, it's your weekend. What you mean you can't get it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Pop Daddy say, man, I'm in Japan on tour. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Mine ain't gonna say that. Yeah. Man, what you mean you can't get it? It's your weekend. <laughs> it's totally different, big guy. Yeah, Lee Jackson's home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Like, it's totally different from when you got, when you financially straight to where it's a struggle. So let me ask, like, when you when you was in that situation with the, did you ever consider just staying together for the kids? Yes, but I was in a bad place, big guy. I was like, man, I had a gambling problem, added with drinking. Man, them bad, them bad habits, big guy. Them, them habits that... The money you supposed to take care of stuff, it ain't there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, you can't explain why it's not there. Man, my head for the bread ain't there. What you do? Yeah. I don't know. Damn, <laughs> I ain't got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's a short conversation. So it's like, that's kind of, I was in a bad place. It was, it was, it was. I was in a really, I was one of them guys that thought, you know, man, that can't happen to me. Yeah. I, that it never happened to me. I think everybody feel that way. Right. And it was like, I, I, you know, I was one of them, man, I didn't believe shit stink till I smelled it. Yeah. And when I smelled it, it was on my hands, my face. My body, it was like everybody knew, nigga, your shit stink. Like, what you gonna do? Yeah. And coming from the street, you don't know how to accept help. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you used to, yeah, yeah, dice game tonight. Let me re-up, let me do this. Let me save for this. But somebody coming to you like, uh, hey, um, let me help you pay this. Nah, I got it. I don't, but you know what? I don't, I don't even know if that's just a street thing. I think that's just a... A man, an alpha male, right? Yeah, so, like exactly. So it was like, for all my life, for years, it was like, I came up in that earth, Ed Jones said, man, you got to be in the house at 7. If you call it a 655, broken ankle, car broke down... Nigga, you got five minutes to get the house. <laughs> that, that, that was it. So that's how I came up. So to ask somebody to, man, can you meet me at Capitol Heights Station? Can you meet me at Suitland? I didn't know how to ask for that because I always knew how to get out of it on my own. Yeah. And as I got older, that's where I learned to be like, okay, sometimes people help you because they love you and genuinely want to do it. It's nothing. It's no alternative motive yeah. in it. Because you know from the street, you know, big fella, you know, one hand scratched up. Yeah. But again, it's not, it's, it's not, because <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, but it's, trust me, it's not just streets because, like, I'm not a street guy, but, man, shit. <laughs> like, you know, you 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 know, you call that person with help. Yeah, 
That's a long conversation. You know, you know what the streets and family is like? It's like when you get family money. You know what family, they feel like, man, you understand. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that on the street. Man, look. Man, you understand. But I'm, oh, look, nah, look. nigga, my bills got to get paid. But, but look, I done called family in. Yeah, man. And you, you got to take five minutes <laughs> to ask them, man. You got that. I, I'm going to ask them for you. <laughs> <laughs> I done had to make that call, man. Call, yeah, exactly. Call, you got to call family Oh, in. nah, the streets, it ain't that kind of conversation. Oh, look, I look. The first, oh, you ain't got that. And when you hang up, you like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's what I came up under. Whether it was a dollar or a thousand dollars. Niggas carried it the same from one dollar to a thousand dollars. It wasn't no, oh nigga, you owe me five hundred, I gotta do something. Oh nigga, you owe me five dollars, I gotta do something. That's how I came up. Yeah. Because your word was everything. It's like nowadays they don't respect business. You get when I came up, man, you put a nigga on, you loved that. Thank you. I'm good. You put a nigga on that. Oh, man, I had to give my girl money for groceries. I had to pay for the daycare. <laughs> <laughs> my car got towed. Uh, I got a ticket. <laughs> it's like, nigga, that ain't got nothing to do with what our business. <laughs> but they make it to a business. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying, big homie. Like, niggas don't respect business the same today. Yeah. You give a nigga something, I'm like, nigga, you live on the rip. Why you in the house sleep? You should be on this corner, leaning on the fence, getting everything come through here. Yeah. But but you sent your man fifty dollars on the books. Yeah. Your girl was stuck at Capitol Heights. She needed money. <laughs> Oh, we went to a uh, horse and dicky. They had a uh, uh, two two fillet special. It's always something, big homie. It's like it's always something. Niggas don't respect business. So if you ain't prepared to kill, man, get out of the business. It, it, I know it's funny, man. It's like it's, it's not funny, but it's funny. It's, it's real. But you be surprised. It's real. Look, you be surprised. It's like, real, big guy. It's, is is cause, man, it's like that in real life. It's real, big guy, and it's like, I ain't no killer, but don't push me. So it's like you giving me these lame stories. It's like, hey man, Bank of America don't want to hear that. Well, I'm gonna tell you. Well, Fargo definitely don't want to hear. Well, I'm gonna tell you what my father used to tell me. Man. <laughs> <laughs> the Lampkin Theory. That's where it started. All pop used to tell me. Tell, tell people straight up, I don't do money. <laughs> <laughs> that was his advice. I don't do money. Now, I'm not as bad as him, but see, this is how I look at it, right? If, if you my man, I, look, you, if you my man, you my man. I'm not going to watch you sit out here and shit. Nah, right. So if I got it, I got it. So it's like... But, but he I, shouldn't take advantage no, of it. And, and, and I, I, I can say this, man. I've been, I've been truly blessed with the the circle of people I had. That's like, what I told you about me in jail. I was blessed with it's, that. Cause I've had I've had people that came to me for things, and it, it's not just money, just things in general. And it's been people that I had to lean on for a favor or money or whatever. And I've been blessed. I think what people don't realize is you 
you are you are what you attract. It's like same. when I see people, same energy. You see people. Oh man, I got this. Oh, they burn me for this. I'm thinking in my mind. Well, shit, you must have burned a couple people. Because, damn it, I'm tired of hearing how you got burned. Right. You must be burning some people out here. I'm like, look, I can't be this good of a dude that I'm not getting burned. It's something with Can you. Can I share a story with you, Big Thunder? Go ahead. So when I went to the Virginia State Prison, my first cellmate in Jerry, Virginia, was a guy named Tony from Alexander, Virginia. And he had life in 15 years. He used to get up every morning. At like 4.30. And I used to get up. Mind you, I got 27 years, but my time on appeal. I'm still going back to Port the Court, so I can go home any day. He got life in 15. Slim used to be up, nigga. The good red rays of the sun ain't hit the window yet. He up. And I used to be like, man, like, how do you do this? And he was like, yo, don't let your mind... Do the time. And that's why I said, if you really want to punish a nigga, man, get that nigga 23 and 1 with natural light. Man, that nigga mind to kill him. Because you'll be locked down 23 hours a day. You might come out one hour to go to rent or shower. That's it. Nigga, you don't see nobody else. You don't talk to nobody else. Fuck, you might not even know nobody else. And I said, that when I did that 18 months in there, that's when I found out how tough I really was. Because you can do this, but nigga, when them lights turn on for 23 hours a day, man, a lot of niggas can't live in the dark, big homie. Yeah, that's... A lot of niggas can't live in the dark, big fella. That, that man, man, that dark mean. Yeah. It gets you to thinking about everything. Like, man, why did I even do this? Do you know what's funny? Like, when you talk about that, like... When we used to work at Walter Reed. Yes, sir. So look, yes, I, was sir. Going, like, <laughs> I, was, I was going to seventh floor. You know, seventh floor. Yeah, you know, that was the top of the hospital. Yeah. That's where. Yeah, the psych joint. Yeah. The psych joint. Yeah. So I'll never forget it, right? One of my buddies, we went in there, we went into the psych ward. And I never realized how important different colors yeah. and pictures are. Yes. So we go in there, and all the damn walls white. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at my coworker, I'm like, hey man, like, you see this shit? Like everything is white. So he was like, he he was like, well yeah, they do that. So the people who are in the sight ward, they won't lose their mind over the yes, colors. Exactly. So I'm like, well shit. They you worry about them. I'm about to go crazy up in here, man. We got to get out of here. You walk, you walk in there. Cause I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember that show. Yeah. It's no, it's all white, no pictures, nothing. I'm like, man, if you're not crazy, you about to be crazy. I, like, I say, man, look. Did you ever meet the ones with the helmet on? Nah. So that they didn't. Nah. Yeah, they put them jones on so that they don't bang their heads on the wall. I went, I went South Florida one time. That was it, bro. <laughs> yeah. I told them, nah, I, whenever there was something needed to go on the South Floor, psych ward, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. y'all got to send somebody else yeah. up there. Yeah, exactly. I need to see some colors yeah. and some pictures. Real talk, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that, like, I, but that, like, it's amazing the things they can do to just mess with your mind, like, 
23 hours of darkness? Oh, nah. Oh, man. man I'm, Remember, I told you, I used to read from the light from the seal of the door. I used to have to put the book down, lay in front of the door, and read. Because all the light, you ain't got no light in the cell. Only time a light come when they do the count. They like this. Oh, right. So I used to lay by the door, read books from the light coming from in the hallway through the door. That's tough. And that's why I said that when I learned that, man, I ain't as tough as I thought. Man, I'm Cause most motherfuckers wouldn't have lasted 30 days. Nobody. Listen, you can't shower. You eat last. No phone, and you get your mail whenever they feel like bringing it down there. So did you? So basically, that? the outside world, you know that they there, but nobody is letting them know that you still here. So did, did you get in trouble to get in that? You remember the story I told you, oh. but I put it on camera. <laughs> so I was on Greensville Correctional Facility. So you got nine buildings. So each day, each building has a laundry day. They got a trash day. They got a dining hall day. So our laundry day, you know, we one of the last buildings. I was in the building getting my hair cut. So when my hair got cut, I kind of sat in the corner, my little laundry bag. I ain't making no noise. Nobody would know I'm there unless you was looking for me. All of a sudden, the C.O. Jones come like, man, Williams, what you doing here? I said, come on, Jones, man. Our building get ready to get called for the laundry. I want to be one of the first people so I ain't got to stay in line long. And he grabbed me. All I did, big fella, was... Man, get your hands off me. In a Commonwealth state, in the state of Virginia, that is considered assault on an officer. So now I went from a class A security, which is, nigga, I'm soft as cotton candy, to I'm zero day for day, which means I'm maximum now. So they treat me totally different now. You grab me, you handcuff me, you you do whatever to me. I went from that to this, all because I told the dude get my get his hands off. They lock me up in that junk. I go to court. I go to somebody's house like this. I come downstairs. He sitting with a robe, a table cross. Did you do something? So I said, man, he grabbed. Me. Oh, that's assault, first degree assault. So I went from getting each day I did. For every 30 days I did, I got 30 days good time. When that judge talked to me, I went from getting that 30 days to I was doing day for day. So you could almost mock me like a nigga got life. Whatever I got, that's what I got to do now. Mm. Just from somebody grabbing me and I told them, get your hands off. That's assault in the state. And But... That forever changed my life because I was around dudes that, you know, we used to call pulling ass. You know, where you talk loud and scream and you anticipate the police coming to block it. Oh, nigga, when I went to Greensville, oh, nah. You scream, oh, nigga, it was real screams. It wasn't no, hey, come help me. It was like, oh, nah, I'm dying. Somebody, so it changed my attitude because I went from, People going home to, 
My salary, he had, man, Tony had life in 14 years. And when I tell you, James, when I would wake up at like 6.30, he already up. He's standing looking out the seal of the door, waiting for them to call us for breakfast. You're like, damn, nigga, why you up so early? I got 27 years and I don't want to wake up. You got life and you up first thing in the morning. But he learned how to bid. And that's what I had to learn how to do. I had to learn how to bid. I had to learn how to take my street knowledge, street life, and make it adapt in here. Because prison is a whole nother world. That shit, you can't compare prison life to out here. Because the rules different. Because you know what the one rule is? It ain't no rules. <laughs> that's, the, that's the number one rule. It ain't no rules. You respect the next man in the next man's space. And rule number two is never forget rule number one. That's how I made it 10 years in it. Man, I did what I did. I ran around. I did whatever. That was me. So I'm sure now that you just been home and out of that environment, loving yes, life. Sir. Yes, sir. So what do you do now to just, just enjoy yourself? Uh, well, um... I'm a Prince Hall Mason, so 15 to 17 year olds, you know, uh, twice a month, I usually get with them. And I kind of let them lead the conversation because I need to know where you at so I know where to go. Because the youth today with our ages, they feel like us giving them knowledge and trying to tell them what to do. But it's like, nah, we don't want you to make the mistakes that we made. Right. But they look at that like, nah, nigga, you trying to tell me what to do. Man, fuck that. Da, 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 da. And that's why OGs can't really talk with the young Gs. Yeah. You know, these young, like I told my son, I said, if I ever come out in the street and see you with your pants off your ass, you getting your ass whooped. Because <laughs> I didn't teach you that. Right. So we can get ready to wrap this up because you know us, man. We'll be yeah. gone. <laughs> we can go forever. But I just wanted to end it on where you see yourself in five years. Wow, good question, big fella. Um, well, as a father, I want to be a provider. So in five years, you know, I would see myself as a good provider, a good example. Hopefully, government employee. Been a contractor for 10 years. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, not, I'm just saying. Um, but, yeah, if I, yeah, I just hope to be a good provider and a good example for my daughters and for my son. Basically, just teach and show him that he's accountable as a man. Okay. I always bring something for my guests. I brought you a little gift. I appreciate no, it, to, good brother. Because we're going, you know, we're trying I mean, to help it ain't out. no herbals. Nah. Uh, no libation. Nah. We, but you know, I, we, I thank you. We're trying to, you know, come out and, you know, we, we, we benefit small businesses. So, my you man. know, we're trying to help everybody my out. Man. Yes, sir. But, um, again, I want to thank my good brother, Darius, yes, for sir. joining yes, me. Sir. And thank you all for listening. Take care.